lot of conversations between people at the gym, and it ranges from everywhere from prosperity to why Benny Hinn. Actually, one time there was a guy who was telling me how he didn't agree with Benny Hinn all that money, and then he told me 10 minutes later that the reason he went to prison is because he was stealing gold and all the stuff when he was in the war with Afghanistan. So he's stealing money, and then he was telling me that he doesn't go to church because Benny Hinn has too much money. And so, you know, you, we just encounter the craziest conversations at the gym with people. And um, what was funny the other day was we were at the gym, and uh, there was a guy named Dave. Good old Dave. Him and Zach were talking about, you know, bulking up and you know, all the different types of building body products. And um, Zach goes, Dave, you go to church? And he said, yep, yep, go to the First Baptist. And he goes, yep, pray in the Spirit, you know, run around, jump, shout, hallelujah. And Dave said, uh, I believe in the Holy Spirit. You know, he's everywhere. And Zach said, um, no, do you pray in tongues? And he said, oh, no, 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 I don't do any of that stuff. He goes, that's cool if you want to do it, but I don't do that. And um, so he goes, do you guys do that? So he looked at all three of us, and we said, yeah. And Zach goes, man, we were just running, jumping, shouting two weeks ago. <laughs> and uh, he uh, said, oh, that's that's great. You know, if you want to do that, it's cool. And then he walked away. Now, Dave likes to talk, but when Dave walks away, you know, Zach goes, did we scare him? <laughs> I said, that ah, probably made him a little uncomfortable. They, you know, we hit him pretty hard with the Holy Spirit. But what I'm, what I'm realizing is that, um, so then I looked at Zach and I said, if he had kept talking, what would you have said if he said, why do you believe in tongues? And Zach said, I don't know, man. All I know is that I pray and, you know, I'll let you handle that. So I said, um, I said, uh, you know, I think these are good questions to start because I thought to even to myself because it happened so fast and I, I'm thinking what's, what would be my run to the gun shot? So I said, oh, Romans 8 and then Acts when, uh, 2 when Jesus or Acts, well, I think it was John 17 when he said don't leave Jerusalem until you get endued with power. So what I told dad, I said, I'm hearing the same type of questions whether it's salvation, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, tongues, the, um, prosperity, uh, the devil, hell, there's just a lot of the same. The pe- you know, people don't really ask anything new at the gym. And so I said, let's create a series that we can build maybe to a book and where we can teach it in youth. But really, it's going to start with what my idea is. Maybe you write down four or five scriptures for each one. Whether I'm going to do the Holy Spirit, uh, Dad will do salvation. We'll do, a, I think he, we wrote down 12. And all you need is four scriptures. If you can remember those four scriptures or five uh, then you can, when somebody in the gym goes, well, yeah, I go to church, but I don't really believe in the Holy Spirit. Why would you, you know, I don't, I don't need that. Oh, well, you know, Jesus said don't even leave Jerusalem until you get in do with power. Well, there's one. You can give two or three more. A lot, what, a lot of times you only got a few minutes in a conversation, and you got to hit them with something to make enough to think, walk away. And then the next day when you walk in, hey, Dave, good to see you. Then, then you can talk a little bit more. And so I wanted to go over... Um, Mainly, it's, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start off with ver- four basic scriptures about why the Holy Spirit. I think it's funny that Dad had asked me to do this because that was really what changed my life. So Dave um, said, when he said, well, do you guys believe that? And I said, yeah. And I looked at him, and I'm gonna, this is actually my, my fifth point, but I'm just going to hit it first. Your testimony is always a quick go-to if you can't remember scriptures. Your testimony is always, I mean, if it's salvation, if it's prosperity, if it's the Holy Ghost, because what we're trying to do is we want to build disciples. And I was telling dad that what's cool is I spent a lot of time with Zach at the gym. Him and I worked out, we talked, but
boom, now Zach's doing what I'm doing, but we go to the gym at different times. Zach's at work. Same thing with Sean. He, you know, the other day, Sean, I was so, it was so cool to watch him. Sean was preaching to his brother. I mean, he was talking about Jesus, and the whole family was there, and I'm over there distracting the little girl and distracting the wife. She's trying to get me married off to one of Sean's relatives, and so I'm, I'm holding, <laughs> I'm hold, Sean's like, there's always this crazy distraction, so, I, you know, you got to take somebody with you, and I'm holding the distractions over here, and Sean's over there telling his brother about Jesus, uh, you know, because in, in his culture, he says, once you get the head brother, the rest of the family is going to come in, and so um, I told dad, I said, it seems like to me the Holy Ghost is really emphasizing discipleship. But without the Holy Spirit, discipleship is really hard because what it is is like Romans 8. There's, you don't really know what you're supposed to be praying for when you're praying for people. And so that's actually uh, the first thing that I want to talk about. So people ask, well, why do you pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit? Most of the time, um, you know, an unsaved person isn't going to talk about the Holy Spirit. They may bring it up unsaved people like to talk about Benny Hinn and prosperity and Kenneth Copeland's money. And that's why they don't come to church. So um, dad's going to deal with that one. But a lot of times when I'm at, if there's a guy, you know, he goes to a church or a local church and they don't talk about the Holy Spirit, the, and you know, and you find out he's born again and you say, well, you know, do you believe in the, the Holy Ghost? And they say, oh yeah, he's all, everywhere all over the place. Well, it's not exactly what Jesus said because Jesus says he's going to come live in you and he's going to abide in you. So that statement alone tells you he don't even know really what he's talking about when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Yes, he's everywhere. But there was a reason Jesus says he's going to come live in you in John 17. So I think that uh, the Holy Spirit is a huge topic. And what I'm going to do is four basic points to give people. And then we're going to dive a little deeper into what actually is the job of the Holy Spirit. So the first thing is if somebody comes to you and say, well, I don't really believe in tongues. Um, you know, and all that, and you say, well, how do you pray the perfect will of God, or how do you ask for something which you don't even know what to ask for? You know, because a lot of times um, what ends up happening with this young man, he's complaining about his kids and how they're not going to church, and they're not saved, and, you know, his life, and most people, they don't even know how to even get their kids going to church. Or they don't even know why all these bad things are happening in their life. They don't know why they're stuck in the same cycle. Life has never changed. And so um, when you go to them to ask them about prayer, actually, Dad's gonna, we're going to do one of them on prayer. That's one of the other ones we're going to do. They're going to just kind of tell you, most of the people are going to say, well, you know, I prayed for him. And, and most of the time the prayer goes, you know, Lord, help my kid. Amen. That's uh, all up to God now. No, there's actually, the Bible says in Romans 8, we can go there. And that was the first thing I thought of when this man um, asked us. He says, oh, you guys pray in the Spirit? And then I thought, what would I tell him if, I mean, just right off the gun. So Romans 8 is a great one for other believers who, are, who say, I'm not, I'm not really sure about all that Holy Ghost stuff. Because really, um, I heard one time that you can show some believers the entire book of Acts and they'll never even see tongues or the Holy Spirit in it. I don't even know how you even read the entire book of Acts without seeing, seeing tongues and, and the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so, um, Romans 8, and uh, let's see, I'm going to start with Romans 8, 26 and 28. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we should pray as we ought. The Spirit himself makes intercessions for us, groanings which cannot be uttered. And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So what he's saying here is the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. 
So he's going to pray for the saints according to the will of God. So he's saying, you don't know even know how to pray. So that's why he says that the Holy Spirit is going to help you in that area. And so most of the time, how do you pray for something or how do you ask God for something which you don't even know what to ask for? So that's, and it's right there in the Bible that he actually makes intercession, which is prayer. Intercession could even be in a deeper form of prayer, you know, according to the will of God. So that's one um, thing that I would say to them is Romans 8 says you're actually praying the perfect will of God when you're praying in the Spirit because the Spirit knows the mind of God. And that was one of them, uh, you know, Romans 8 is, is, is kind of like one of those trademark scriptures. We're going to dive a little deeper with Rick Renner into, um, into that. Let me see there. I think there was another part of Romans 8 I wanted to get to, 8, 6 through 16. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind, or the natural man, is the enmity against God, for he's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can he be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot pre- please God. But you're not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit. Now, if the, inner, if the spirit of God dwells in, dwells in you, now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body. Therefore, brothers, we're not debtors to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. So verse 12, he says, therefore, brethren, he's talking to saved people. He's saying, if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. So what he's saying that if you live according to the um, spirit, you'll put the death, the deeds of the body, you will live. So if this Holy Spirit is already in them and he's telling them to live according to the, to the spirit and the ways of the spirit, that means there's got to be a lot more to the spirit than just, hey, I'm saved. The spirit's in me because there's actually two choices you can actually make. So what he's saying, if you live carnally minded, if you live in the flesh, you'll actually, uh, you'll never please God. So you can look at somebody and say, if you never get filled with the Holy Ghost, you actually will never reach to the point where you're pleasing God. Because what he's saying is you're going to end up living your whole life in the flesh. But once the Spirit of God starts praying with you, now you're going to start living according to the Spirit. That's when he says, then he starts answering, the Holy Spirit is going to make intercession. How do I live according to the Spirit? He's going to start making intercession for you according to the will of God. So I tell people two things. You pray the perfect will of God, and the Spirit will actually get you out of living in the flesh and start living in the Spirit. And that's what actually pleases God. So really, until they're even doing that, uh, you're not even pleasing them. So that would be my first two arguments. Romans 8 says two things about in the Spirit. The next one that is a quick one you can bring up. Um, 1 Corinthians 14, the entire chapter. This is pretty, if somebody says they don't believe in tongues, he, he starts off the uh, first, first, uh, first Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians 14.1, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but who does he speak to? He speaks to God. So he, right out of the gate, he's saying, he who's praying in a tongue, he's not speaking to men, he's speaking directly to God. So that's the second thing that I would say is that well, did you ever read in 1 Corinthians 14 that if a person is praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues, is what they call tongues, you guys do the tongue thing. Well, the Bible says you're praying and actually speaking directly to God and the Spirit of God. For no one understands him, however, in the Spirit, the second thing he's doing, he's speaking mysteries. So two things, he's speaking to God and he's speaking mysteries. He who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue 
it says he does what? Third thing, he edifies himself, which an edification is actually a building or is a construction up of something. So that's the third thing just in that verse. I wish that you all spoke with tongues. There it is. Paul's telling the church, I wish you all spoke with tongues. So when somebody comes to you and says, I don't believe in tongues, I don't think that, you know, that your church should do that. Well, you say, did you not read in the work where Paul, Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and had all the revelations from God about the in-Christ realities, he said, I wish you all spoke with tongues. I mean, it's like, so that's, that's my, that would be my second one, was the entire chapter. So um, I wish you all spoke with tongues even more, that you prophesy who prophesies is greater because he who speaks with tongues unless he interprets that the church may receive edification. He's going to go into talking about when you're at church and if somebody jumps up and prays in tongues and if somebody's not there to prophesy, basically just sit down. I'd rather he said, if you say 10,000 words in the spirit, nobody's going to get edified from that. But if somebody's there to interpret it in a church setting, then yes, let them edify. But what he's saying is Paul's saying, he's not telling people in the church not to speak in tongues. He's just saying when you gather to the general assembly, one church, the Corinthian church was getting together and Everybody was jumping up out of turn and praying in the spirit and everybody's wanting to be spiritual. And he's saying, look, when you guys get together, if you have somebody to prophesy, let them prophesy. If you don't have a word, just be quiet. I'm going to speak to you in my understanding. So I'm going to jump down to 13. Let him, um, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. There it is again. Paul's saying, if someone's praying in the tongue, let him pray that he interprets. For I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. So there's another reason. I mean, it's right there in the Bible. I'm not sure how most people don't ever even see it. So why do you pray in tongues? Well, he's saying right there, if you pray in a tongue, my spirit's praying. It, um, but my understanding is unfruitful, which means when you're praying in tongues, you have no idea what, what it's going on, and that's why, you know, your mind's always running. Well, I need to go do this. Like Dad always says, put the laundry in, whatnot. What is the conclusion? I'll pray in the spirit. I'll also pray in my understanding. I'll sing in the spirit. I'll also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, if you bless, uh, if you bless with the spirit, how he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen, and you're giving thanks since he does not understand what he says. So anyways, verse 18, I thank God I speak with tongues more than you all. That is a very good chapter. If somebody says they don't believe in praying in the spirit, why does your church do that? Why? First uh, Corinthians 14 says Paul has a whole chapter on praying in tongues. And they say, oh, well, that's for the church. No, he, he actually addresses both. So that would be the second one. That um, that's, It's definitely there. You can't, you can't deny it, especially if they say that they're a Christian. So the third thing, so you got Romans 8, you got 1 Corinthians 14, and then we're going to go to Acts 1.5. And actually, this whole thing started just because of that whole, it's like, man, what would I say to this guy? Just right off the, the cuff, uh, you know, most people know if, I, if somebody said, uh, you know, I want to receive Jesus, what's a popular scripture? Yeah. Romans 10, 9, 10, John three sixteen. boom, all you need is two scriptures. You confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead and believe in your heart, you'll be saved, right? Quick scripture. Uh, very easy. Um, what did I say? I was going to Acts 3. Oh, Acts 1. So he's saying in uh, 5, he says, For John truly, uh, truly baptized you with water, 
but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So what he's making a distinction between two different things, the water talking about salvation, and then he's saying the Holy Spirit's going to be, you're going to be baptized uh, not many days. Therefore, when they, get, when they got together, they asked him, saying, Lord, uh, will you at this time restore to the kingdom of Israel? And basic, Jesus basically just throws it off and says, uh, we're not talking about that. It's not your time to know the seasons, but you'll receive power. So Jesus kind of totally just debos the question. And he says, don't worry about restoring Israel. I want to talk to you about you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be a witness for me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So at this point, we know because of John chapter 17, when he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, that's when the new birth started for them. But the third thing is, you're not interested in tongues unless you're interested in receiving power. So you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and then you'll be a what? You'll be a witness to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Salvation is for getting people born again, but the Holy Spirit is for doing the works of service. Unless you're interested in power and you're wanting to be a witness to people, you actually care about getting people saved, you're not really interested in the Holy Spirit because that's what his job is, is to, to go in and to, you know, to help you. We're going to get into that, that he's, he is actually, it says that um, in Romans 8, he helps you. He takes hold together with you. So a lot of times, the best thing for salvation is praying in the Spirit over, uh, over situations. Um, last couple weeks ago, I'm asking the Lord how to get my neighbor's boys saved, two of them. You know, my neighbor's over there complaining to me that one of them's buying drugs and they're coming home late at night. And so I start going to the Lord. I said, you know, uh, a lot of times the conversations that me and the boys were having didn't last very long. They're not interested or they were making kind of fun of the girls for going to church one day. And I said, well, I'll go to church. And they kind of were like, oh, okay, whatever. That's cool. Anyways, we're going to the mall. See you later. They're not very interested in the things of God. So I started praying over them. Holy Spirit, show me how to pray. So um, I'm to be a witness so show me how to be a witness to them. Open their hearts to where they want to receive the gospel. And show me how to get in there. So I'm praying in the spirit, praying over them, taking authority over the devil, doing everything I know. And then one night my neighbor goes, uh, can you go pick my kids up from school? And I got home and I was like, his truck's home. I'm like, you go pick your kids up from school. Why do I got to go pick? And the Holy Spirit's like, you dummy. You've been asking me for an open opportunity. And I said, Bela, I'll go get your kids. I jumped in the truck, picked them up. And I'm driving back, and I just saw that the Lord had opened the door Amen. of opportunity to start talking to them about the Lord. So we started talking a little bit, just, you know, some kind of got to know them a little better, picked them up, you know, kind of was feeling the conversation out, seeing, you know, how they were going. We, we went into a few things and then dropped them off, and I'm not really worried about it. I, you know, I just kind of am led by the, those that are sons of God, led by the Spirit of God. Just kept praying over them. And then um, it happened to be where, uh, I was going out of town, and so the Lord said, ask Alex to watch Lena, which is the one that talks a lot. He's kind of the youngest one, but he's the, I call him like the kingpin of the group. He's the youngest, but he leads the group because he's a good talker. And uh, he's always got something to say. I'm like, oh, he's going to make a great evangelist or something, or a preacher. <laughs> so um, he came over, watched the dog, and then the Lord said, when you pay him, talk to him. After, you, you know, so one night I'm trying to put stuff on the truck. I have his money. I said, hey, come over. And so they helped me with the truck. And I just kind of knew the Lord was saying, this is the time. This is the Holy Spirit. He's helping you become a witness. And so we sat there for 45 minutes. 
and I explained to him the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I explained to him Zoe life. And the funny thing that Alex said to me, he goes, well, I've always heard that Jesus died for me, but he says, what does that mean to me? It don't mean anything to me. He says, cool, Jesus died for my sins, great. I said, well, you actually have to apply it and you have to walk in the light of it. You actually have to receive it by faith. And he goes, I've never even heard that. I said, oh yeah, you gotta confess it with your mouth. You gotta believe it in your heart. You gotta say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord. He said, all I've ever heard is he died for me. He said, I, don't, I didn't even know how you even apply that. Yeah. I said, so I said, I'm telling you how to, how to apply that. So he's heard of the gospel, but really the Holy Spirit is what comes and makes that real to him. So through me, the Holy Spirit is a witness to him saying, kind of like, the, remember the Enoch when he was on his way? And he said, I'm reading about this man and I don't know who it's about. Is it this man that died or this or that? And so Phillips gets in the car with him and says, I'm going to explain. And he says, it preached Christ from, and to him. And then he says, what stopped me from being baptized? They hop out of the cart, gets baptized, and then Philip ends up being translated. So he, the, the Enoch was hungry for the things of God, but he needed somebody with a revelation to explain Jesus to him. And so that's what the job of the Holy Spirit is, is through a believer is going to show up. And I find that most of the time, People that are filled with the Holy Spirit do a lot more uh, like T.L. Osborne, Reinhardt, Bunky. I mean, those people rock the planet, being filled with the Spirit of God. You know, going back to a person's testimony, I've been in church my entire life, and I think that the Holy Spirit was such a turning point for me because what ends up happening is that if you're not, that, that's going to be my last one. I'm just going to go ahead and say to it, Jude 120, and I'll tie this into my um. The fourth one is building yourself up on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Actually, praying in the Holy Spirit helps your faith to function at a higher level. One translation says it is actually enriching your faith. So that's the fourth thing. Somebody says, why do you pray in the Holy Spirit? Jude 1.20 says building yourself up on your holy faith, most holy faith or enriching your faith or taking your faith to a higher level. So people say, um, you know, Yes, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, but that actually says here that you can actually build that faith. And so for me, I prayed in the spirit sometimes. I don't know. I don't know. Back when we were younger, did we do a lot of, we did a lot of Holy Ghost stuff back in the first building. You know, I remember we used to run around, jump, shout, do whatever, like Zach said. We just did that two weeks ago. Glory. Um, but I remember there was a time for me where as I kind of got older, you know, you sit in church for a really long time, you heard it all, the, it's not doing anything for you anymore, and you're, you know, and Mary Fran told my parents, so he seems like he's on his way out. Well, uh, I was looking for something new, and it really wasn't getting to me anymore because I didn't have a revelation of the Holy Spirit inside of me until Mark Hankins showed up, and he said, you know what your problem is, is you don't pray in the Spirit, and I'm thinking, what does that have to do with my problem. I need to get off my parents' couch. I need to make more money. I need a better job. I got to get out of this church. I'm not making any money. I'm never going to, you know, make money being in the ministry. And that's not what the Holy Ghost said. He said, that's not your problem. Your problem's not your problem. It's kind of we learned in counseling that you'll see a lot of the, the things on top, but with people and the issues with people, but really there's a deeper root issue somewhere way down there. So the Holy Spirit, that's why he says he makes intercession according to the will of God. Mark Hankins prays in the Holy Ghost all the time, so he knows the mind of God. So he comes in and he says, your problem is not your problem. Your problem is this. You don't pray in the Spirit. And I, I, the more I thought about it, I said, it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I, you know, I pray in the Spirit once a month, at uh, Sunday night prayer. 
And um, I had actually, when I got a job here, I don't, I don't think I ever came to Sunday night prayer. It was a waste of time, in my opinion. She made me, when I got a job here on staff, she said, if you're going to work at this church, you're going to come to prayer. And I'm like, ugh, okay, can I get paid for being here for prayer? You know, I got to turn the sound on, I got to turn the AC on, I got to do all this stuff. She's like, whatever, you want to pay you for half hour or something. You know, just show up and, you know, get everything ready. So, but I, what I realized, and to me, the Holy Spirit was always kind of a couple old crazy ladies who prayed real loud. And, uh, you know, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, this is how I viewed it. It's just, I'm just, it's my perception as a pastor's kid. It's just a lot of hoop hollering going on. They're praying. That's cool. They're keeping the church, you know, whatever. It's kind of an older lady thing. You know what I mean? Monday night prayer, go hang out with the older ladies. So, <laughs> no, I'm joking. You're going to live forever. You all are young. You're not even getting started. Um, so, but anyways, my, my perception, I'm digging myself in a hole. I, I see, I can feel the, oh, Let's go, I'm going to come preach over here. Let's come to, I'm going to go to the other side. But I'm just telling you, listen, if it wasn't for y'all praying, I probably wouldn't be standing here right now. It probably was, where's Betty May at? I'm sure Betty May has a testimony. I prayed for that Justin kid every night at Monday night prayer. So, but what I, what I noticed is that when mom forced me to come, <laughs> I started I'm sitting there just, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, just thinking, okay, we've got an hour to be here and, you know, get out of here. But I actually, the more I started doing it, the more I, I, next thing you know, I'm praying, and then I'm walking, and I'm pacing, and I'm thinking, man, I'm really getting into this. <laughs> and then things started changing, like little bit by little bit. I started noticing little differences in my life. Things just started kind of working out, and I'm thinking, huh, maybe that tongue thing, you know, really does work. So... But kind of fast forward a few years, I wasn't praying enough to really make a significant change. Uh, Pastor Mark talks about the enriching of your faith when he's, he's kind of when Jude says building yourself up or enriching your faith, he talks about the story where he was uh, reading a book called How Stuff Works and he ripped out the page on how to make an atom bomb. And he said, well, let me look at that right there. How do I make an atom bomb? And he says, you can't make an atom bomb with just stuff laying around the house. But what he did say is that once you get uranium-235, in order to, if you want to power a city, you enrich it to 2%. But he says if you want to make a nuclear bomb, you have to enrich it to 97%. He says if you pray in the spirit a little bit, the best you're going to do is keep the lights on. <laughs> and I said, I know what you're talking about because that was me. Once a month, I prayed in the Holy Ghost, and the best I was doing is keeping the lights on. But if you want power, you're going to pray in the Holy Ghost until you enrich your faith to where Pastor Mark says, when you have an atom bomb, everybody listens to you. Because before you have an atom bomb, he says, so you, you start talking, especially if you're a world leader, they say, shut up, sit down, we don't care what you have to say. But once you have an atom bomb, everybody's listening to what you have to say. I mean, Putin was talking the other day, and he started talking about nuclear war. Everybody's paying attention because they know he's got a nuclear bomb. Well, when you get enriched with the Holy Spirit, praying the Holy Ghost, I mean, every devil in hell is listening to what you have to say. And so either best you're going to keep the lights on or you're going to enrich and pray in the Spirit until, you know, you really start seeing a change. And so when Pastor Mark, my, part of my testimony when I tell people is that for 30 days, I said, I'm going to pray in the Spirit every day for 30 days. And if this doesn't work, I'm going to stop because I don't understand how it's going to get me off my mom's couch and I need more money. And I know it's praying in tongues. You know, it's what Pastor Janie does at church. She runs around. So 
30 days, I start praying in the spirit, and he says, um, you, know, you need to be thankful. Thank God for what you have. Uh, thankfulness actually opens your heart to receive more from God. The more thankful you are, the more you actually receive from God. That was Keith Moore said that. The Lord told Keith Moore, if you want to increase your capacity to receive from me, be thankful all, every day for what you have. And so I started thanking the Lord for what I had, and I would go to the gym, and I'd pray in tongues. Well, um, 30 days turned into two years, and then I'm sitting on eight acres, a piece of property, my own house. No, it was the RV first. But thank God it was mine, and I'm out of the house. I'm out of there, and mom, t- you know, telling me, you know, you got to get up, wake up at a certain time. I'm like, man, I'm going to live in my own RV. It's my own house. I can do whatever I want out here. So 30 days turned into two years. Why? Because I saw all this crazy stuff started happening. I mean, I'd be at the gym working out. Somebody would walk up, start talking about Jesus and whatever else, and I'm not even trying to witness the people. They're just coming to me talking about Jesus. Next thing you know, I get this kid saved, and I'm like, sweet. And then, you know, two weeks later, I'm working out, and this other guy starts telling me about all stuff in his life. And I just, oh, have you ever tried Jesus? You know, have you ever accepted him? And nope, boom, pray with him. And I'm thinking, man, I'm getting people saved. My financial situation's changing. Good things are happening. I mean, I'm waking up. I'm on fire for God. And that's what I told Dave the other night. I said, you know, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't, this generation would not be on fire. They're actually not going to get on fire until the Holy Spirit. Because most people... You know, yes, uh, I think, um, you know, that may have, things may have worked that way in the past, and some people still get saved, but with this generation, I wanted to see God working. I didn't want to just hear about a God. I wanted to actually see his power. I wanted to see him working in my life. And that's what the Holy Spirit actually takes the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and translates it into personal victory. That is his job. He says when he comes, um, John 17, John 16, just go there real quick. You don't have to write this one down. I mean, you can, Um, but this is what he's saying, John 16. I have many, start in verse 12. I have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them. However, when the spirit of truth comes, he's gonna do what? He's gonna guide you into all truth. Without the Holy Spirit, you're not gonna know truth. Without the Holy Spirit, the Bible is really a dead book. And it was to me. It's not alive. I mean, even Christianity wasn't very alive without praying in the Holy Ghost. He's going to lead you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but what he does, whatever he hears, he's going to speak. And he will tell you things to come. He's going to do what? Glorify or magnify Jesus. So what he's doing is he's going to take what Jesus did and he's going to translate it to you into personal victory. So that was, um, I want to read to you. So that's, that's the four things, but I want to read to you a little bit about what William Barclay said about um, he calls the Holy Spirit the advocate, which is called the paraclete, which it's the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby. The Holy Spirit comes to make you stand, not only to help you stand, but actually to win your case. So I want to read one thing that how the Holy Spirit takes what Jesus did and turns it into personal victory for you because a lot of people, like my neighbor said, I've heard about Jesus, but what does that even mean to me? What is the, what is the cross? Yeah, Jesus died for my sins. That's great. Okay, well, that's nice. I said, okay, so let me explain to you. So number one, uh, P.C. Nelson wrote, and P.C. Nelson was fluent. He was a Hebrew scholar in 32 different languages. He wrote, number one, the Holy Spirit is excellent in three areas. He's an exceptional knowledge. He has exceptional knowledge. 
So really going back to Romans 8, the Holy Spirit really knows all about your situation. He really knows about what you're praying about. I mean, he knows it all. Number two, he's an expertise in protocol and procedure. You're like, well, what does that mean? That's why when you're in here, he might tell you, lift your hands, praise, praise me. He might say, just start thanking me, worship me. He might tell you to get on your knees and humble yourself. He might tell you to run. He might tell you to shout. He might tell you to pray in the spirit. Because what it is, is there's things in the spirit you don't know. Like he says, he makes intercession for the will of God. You don't know God's protocols and procedures. We don't, he doesn't have time to teach you all that. So what he's going to tell you to do is he says, just get on your knees and humble yourself. So what he's doing is he's actually helping you to win that case. What you're praying about, what you're believing God for, it says that in Romans 8, that the word help with means he's going to take hold together with you. He's going to walk with you. Rick Renner just, uh, describes it as like a person, like a boulder in front of your house. This is the picture, the Greek word, that a helper, he's going to grab that boulder. He's actually going to get inside of you, and he's going to push that boulder until it's out of the way, until that case is won, until you get that victory. And he's going to take what Jesus did and say, he might tell you, um, translating what Jesus did in personal victory, he might say, read a book on the blood. Uh, you're believing God for healing, and, he's, and you're over there reading 100 healing books, and he says, no, why don't you read a book on in the name of Jesus? That actually happened to me in Bible school. Uh, I remember I had this terrible bad rash for a few years that turned dark purple that just would never go away. And um, I'm reading a bunch of healing books. Nothing's changing for me. And Dad made us read In the Name of Jesus by Brother Hagen and In the Name of Jesus by E.W. Kenyon. But during that book, Brother Hagen had said some things in that book, and the lights clicked. I mean, everything just came on, and I got it. I mean, just that, revel that revelation knowledge. So what the Holy Spirit, he leads you into all truth, right? So then he's leading me into all truth about what? Your situation. That's where he's an expertise in protocol and procedure. Th Dad says a lot of times that, uh, if you're struggling with healing, you might be struggling with righteousness. You might be struggling with the blood. Because when you come in to the throne room, like he said, Sunday, and you're telling God about how long you've been coming to Word of Life and how long you've paid your tithes, God says, I don't want to hear about any of that. You say, I'm coming in here because of the blood. What was shed, Jesus' payment. Now, Father, I want to talk to you. And he says, come on in. So when you start to have a revelation that I'm righteous because Jesus made me righteous and that I'm not trying to get my prayers answered, they're already yes and amen in him. All I'm doing now is just receiving them by faith. So the Holy Spirit is an expertise in protocol and procedure. A lot of times your problem might not be your problem. You can read all the healing books you want, but you actually might be dealing with bitterness. You might be dealing with unforgiveness. He says if you're believing God and you say this mountain, but then he says if you have any ought, Mark 11, 23, 24, and 25, he says that you're not, even, you're not getting anything from God until you go back to that person or you forgive them and let it go. So that's where being led by the, you need the Holy Ghost because he's going to say for your case and for, I mean, an individual case um, and also a Holy Spirit, it says that he's actually good with the judge. He's good. He's in a, it says the third thing, he has persuasive speaking ability. And so for your case, every person's case could be different. It might be that you just need a faith in God. You just need a Faith comes by hearing the word and hearing the word of God. And you might just need to OD on some, on some good teaching. But then it might be that God just says, you just need to rejoice. You just need to go home and sing. Like what, a couple Sundays ago, when Pastor Lisa says, 
when the, she talked about the armies of Israel, when they would just sing, all their enemies were defeated before them. So he's going to take your case and say, for you, this is what you need to do. And he's going to translate what Jesus did into personal victory for you. So that's a little deeper into the Holy Spirit and his job, not just it's beyond um, just, you know, praying in the Spirit, because you're not going to pray in the Spirit very long if all you're thinking is, okay, I got to do this tongue thing for maybe 20 minutes. I don't know what this really does. And then I'm going to go about my day. When you start having a revelation of what praying in the Spirit does, how it says you're praying mysteries, you're praying the perfect will of God, you're going to pray in the Spirit a lot longer. Brother Hagen said that I, whenever he desired to pray, he said in 65 years, he said he saw the greatest miracles after an extended time of praying in the Holy Ghost. He actually saw the greatest miracles in his ministry after extended times, not just praying one hour, praying two, three, four hours. He said the greatest financial miracles he ever saw was after he prayed about four hours in the spirit. And then he says he, he said he prayed until he hit a gusher. And then he says when he would step into his meetings, if you, I mean, dad told me some stories about Brother Hagen that we were at Pastor Mark's. I hope Pastor Mark don't hear this. He said, Pastor Mark is a three compared to Brother Hagen. He said, Brother Hagen would walk down a row and the whole row would fall out. And uh, so Brother Hagen said, I would pray in the spirit until I hit a gusher. And he said, from that moment on, I think he prayed one day five hours. I don't know if he ever did it again. But I'm sure he did a few times. But he says he'd be in a meeting, and from that moment forward, it would take him only a few minutes to get over into the spirit, and the spirit of God would start moving. And he said it, it changed his whole ministry forever after he hit that point. He also says in the book, Tongues Beyond the Upper Room, he said he would pray in the spirit so long sometimes that he'd go get lost in the spirit and he wasn't sure if he was ever coming back. And I read that and I said, is that, is that even possible? Now, if you don't know who Brother Hagen is, uh, he changed the whole word. He's what kind of started the Word of Faith movement. They put 200, 300 campuses all over the world and most of the people like Kenneth Copeland, Joyce Myers, Jesse Duplantis, Reinhardt Bunky, all those guys I think came out of listening to Brother Hagen. T.L. Osborne, they rocked the planet. I mean, T.L. Osborne read a lot of E.W. Kenyon, and Brother Hagen read a lot of Kenyon. Those guys changed the whole face of the earth, and, and Brother Hagen was really responsible for a lot of them, like Kenneth Copeland that you see now. They all went to his meetings. Jerry Savelle, they were all there when Brother Hagen was preaching. And so how did he build Rhema? I don't think he was really his desire to build Rhema. What ended up happening is he just get off in the, in the morning, and he'd just go pray in the Spirit. And then God would start using him in that area to, uh, the next thing you know, I think he, I don't think he ever wanted to build a Bible school, did he? No, he didn't want a Bible school. Plus, when he did do his Bible school, he said the best it'll ever be was maybe, what, 30, 40 students, 50 students. And now they've graduated maybe almost 100,000. So think about Bible school students going all over the world from one man praying in the Spirit. And uh, I heard that before they brought, bought the property, there was a group of people that would go out in that field and they prayed like, like once a week in that field. So praying in the spirit, that mystery, they didn't even know what they were praying about. But what they were doing is they were just being obedient to the Holy Ghost and saying, we're gonna go pray in this field. Next thing you know, Raymond gets built there. Students start going out all over the world. And those people who were obedient changed the whole face of the planet because of their obedience to the Holy Spirit, praying out the perfect will of God. I'm gonna read Somebody get him a mic. Get him a mic. 
Who ever heard of a place called Broken Arrow? I mean, that's you know, in the world, it's, it's on now. we would call that, that's just no place. But the Holy Spirit told a bunch of people in the church, go to a field and get in the ditch. Now, gullies in Tulsa can be four to five to six feet deep. And every night or every week, they'd get in that ditch and walk and pray. And the Holy Ghost said, I will win the whole world from this ditch. Now, you know, in your brain, you're going, right. But they're praying in that ditch, praying in that ditch. In bro- it, it had buffaloes in it. There was nothing there, nothing there. But I will win the whole world through this ditch. Now, you imagine you're walking around in a ditch going, God's going to win the whole world from this ditch. And later, Brother Hagin's from Texas, and God said, I want you to move to Tulsa and start your ministry because of the airline. And he bought that pasture and built Ramah right in that ditch. That's powerful. Okay, I'm... All right. I thought you might want to know the rest of that story. Hey, that's good. I know I've, I've heard it. Um, so the power of praying in the Holy Spirit, I think it, it's working so much further than you're even looking at it at the moment. And I, I wonder if those people even knew, did they even know that years later, were they, were they alive long enough to see that? Yeah, interesting. So the paraclete, he's called to render service. He's called to help in a situation which by a man himself cannot cope. He will keep a man on his feet. Even when he left to himself, he would collapse. The Holy Spirit enables him to pass the breaking point and not to break. He is a friend of the accused person. He's called in to support his character in order to enlist the sympathy of the judge in his favor. He's the counsel of the defense, someone who will present someone's case for another person in the most favorable light. So um, that's, I want to go back to Romans 8 real quick and talk about a little bit about the job of the Holy Spirit, according to Rick Renner. Actually, I think I'm going to just read some of it from here because we only got a few more minutes. He says that the Holy Spirit in Romans 8, he says, likewise the Spirit helpeth in our infirmities. Well, the word help means to take hold together with you, but the infirmity means it's actually, what he's saying is you have a weakness that's not just a minor weakness. It's not like that you just need a little bit of help. It means a crippling disease, a mental oppression, a reoccurring plague that is terminal and incurable. We need a lot of help. We're dealing with major situations that would cause probably most of us uh, without the Holy Ghost would have a mental, I mean, I was going about to have a mental breakdown if I didn't get Mark Hankins walking in and saying, you need to pray in the spirit because I'm losing my mind. I'm talking to God in the car saying, I can't do this anymore. I'm about to have a breakdown and the Holy Spirit comes right in and says, this is what you need to do. And so what he's saying is you have a crippling disease outside of working with the Holy Spirit. So I don't know how people do it without him. And so the situation uh, without the Holy Spirit, for most people, it'll never change. Uh, the Holy Ghost We'll get in there in the pit with you and he'll, you're, a lot of people are stuck in the same cycle, in the same area, and really the devil just laughs at them and says, you're never going to get out of this. And it is true. Without the help of the Holy Ghost taking hold together with you, um, you're never going to get out of the situation. The Greek word for intercession means it's a picture of someone who's fallen into a pit. There's no way to escape. The intercessor is someone who comes along, he gets in the pit with you. It's a picture of a first responder who has experience getting people out of difficult situations. 
So when you yield to him, he starts working on your case, but not without your participation. You fall into a pit by which there is no way to escape. The Holy Spirit, the intercessor, doesn't just holler outside the pit and says, jump higher, try harder, you can do it. He actually gets in the pit with you, knows how you feel, knows actually what's going on in the pit, and he actually has pit experience. It says that the Holy Spirit went into hell and raised Christ Jesus from the dead. So the Holy Spirit has been in a couple big pits. I mean, if he pulled Jesus out of hell, I'm sure your pit is nothing compared for the Holy Spirit. So um, there's a part in here that the word helpeth, um, oh, let me see, there's a part where it says, well, I'll just read it. Uh, there's a Greek word, son, anti-lumbano, translated helpeth, powerfully conveys the same idea of a partnership and a cooperation to remove an obstacle. Tells you the Holy Spirit, yes, yes, what he said, literally becomes one with us in the task of removing every obstacle. In the midst of our weakness, when we are inadequate to get the job done, the Holy Spirit says, let me grab a hold of that hindrance with you, and I'll push against it together until that thing is completely moved out of the way. But in this prayer, this Greek word, actually, he says, paints a picture of a twofold partnership between you and the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? It means that he's not doing it automatically. Partnership means you're going to get with him, you're going to push, which means what? You're going to spend time praying in the Spirit. The helpeth means he's helping you. If, I'm not, if Zach comes over and I say, hey, just move that for me, well, then that's the idea of you go move that for me. Or if I just say, hey, I need your help, it means you and I together are gonna get in this together and move this obstacle, right? So what he's saying is that there is a participation in this Greek word that two people have to partner together and, and the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's not gonna force himself on people. He's not gonna make you pray. But if you wanna actually get with him, he says that the Holy Spirit will push and stay with you until that obstacle in your life is completely removed. And that's why I believe that praying Longer times, like what he was saying, Brother Hagen would say he saw greater results because it's the I picture of the Holy Spirit working with you to, to move a situation. He, the Holy Spirit knows what the devil's planning. He knows all the potholes and the ditches and the things. That's why he says when a person falls into a pit because Satan's putting all kinds of traps, kind of like what he was preaching on last night about the bait of Satan. Bitterness or offense is one of the biggest traps of the devil. And sometimes praying in the Holy Ghost will kind of reveal in your own heart what you got going on. Whether you're mad at somebody, the Holy Spirit will say, you're not getting your prayers answered because you remember so-and-so about a year ago said this to you? And you say, well, I, I just don't like them. You might have a lot more bitterness going on than just, you know, I think dad came in the office one day and Pastor Jeannie brought up a certain person and dad hollered back, I forgave that person. And Pastor Jeannie goes, Pastor, it doesn't seem like you have. And he goes, yes, I did. <laughs> So dad walks out and then he came back and he said, well, I need to repent because obviously there's still something going on in my heart. So that's where the Holy Spirit comes in and he helps you. It says he takes the task of removing every obstacle out of the way. And so there's obstacles sometimes in our lives and we're trying to get prayers answered and we don't always know why. That's why he says he makes intercession and prays for us. And that's what the weakness is. It's actually a crippling disease you have that you don't know you have and you need the help of the Holy Spirit. So... Um, let me see, pray as we are, difficult situations. So 
so anyways, it goes into all kinds of different things. This is a great book. Uh, Rick Renner breaks down the entire job of the Holy Ghost. I'm actually going to read just a few more quotes. Brother Hagin says, the world needs to be taught to receive Jesus. The church needs to be taught to receive the Holy Ghost. The importance of the Holy Ghost is the value. We need to learn the importance of the Holy Ghost, the value of him, how to make room for him, and how to yield to him, not only in our personal lives, but even in a service. Um, Brother Hagin says, if you be led by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost told him, I make you rich. He said, I'm not opposed to my people being rich. He just said, I'm opposed to my people being covetous. <clears throat> Come on to having faith in God. Christ in you is the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. You gotta figure out how to get alone with the Holy Ghost. If he's turning right and you're turning left, don't blame God and wonder what happened. You better find out which way the Holy Ghost is going. Many people in their lives, they're telling God what they want. But if the Holy Spirit's going this way, you better go with him. Um, Wigglesworth said, our only safeguard from dropping back into our natural mind is to be filled and filled again. Now, if you don't know who Smith Wigglesworth is, he raised 38 people from the dead. And like Mark Hankins says, I'm still working on my first one. And so I'm gonna find out what this guy's doing, what he's praying or how he thinks if he's getting these kind of results. So our only safeguard from dropping back into our natural mind is to be filled and filled again. To the measure that we fail of this, we fall that far short of the plan of God for our life. We are commanded by God to be filled and filled again, and to the degree that you and I are not filled or under the influence or yielding or saturated with the Holy Ghost, then we are that far short of the plan of God for our life. He says, I see everything as a failure except for that which is done in the spirit or with the Holy Ghost or under the influence of him and yielded to him. You know, we have a lot going on. And I think to our natural mind, it doesn't make a lot of sense to spend a lot of time praying. But I've noticed that the other day, um, I, need, I had a lot of yard work that had to get done. And uh, I woke up and I was pretty exhausted. And I said, you know what? I was listening to Pastor Mark preach on the Holy Ghost. And I said, I'm just going to sit here and pray in the spirit maybe try to get past an hour because I'm exhausted and I, you know, I got to mow five acres and I got to build a gate and I got to go to the gym, got to make, you know, go go shop and cook or all this. You're just not going to have any food for the week. Right? So I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, you just need to rest and just pray in the spirit because God always, you reap what you sow. You sow time into the things of the spirit. God sows time back into you. So I just sat there and prayed in the spirit. Next thing you know, it's like 1130. And I'm thinking, man, I've just, the whole half the day's gone, whatever. And it's not, I feel great. I'm just going to go to the gym. Maybe I'll mow for a few hours and call it a day. Well, I get over to Josh's house to do something. And the Holy Spirit said, ask him if he wants to work today. I said, you want to work today? So I go to the gym, work out for like an hour and a half, come back, pick him up, put him on the mower. He mows the entire property. I'm building the gate. Then I, I go in, we cook. I got, did the laundry. I got all my cooking done. And I had somebody help me. I, didn't, well, I wasn't even thinking that. But the Holy Spirit says, why don't you just ask him to help you today? He's got, he's got the day off. And I really, I got everything I needed to done in half a day. From 1 o'clock to 7, we, he mowed the entire property, all the stuff I wanted to clean my property. I've wanted to build a gate. And so I got most of the gate done. And, you know, because if you mow my property, you better plan on being out there the entire day just to mow it. Just because when the summertime hits and that grass starts growing, you're just out there mowing all day and weed eating. And you're not, all you're doing is maintaining. But... What I've learned is that when I started giving more time to him, 
he's a lot smarter than I am. And, the, you know, B.B. Hankins says the Holy Ghost is a genius, and he'll make you look smart. If you want to know the mind of God, pray until that mind of God gets in you. So I'll read another quote real quick, a few more minutes. We can only apprehend Christ as we are filled and filled again with the Holy Ghost, which simply means you cannot be any closer to Jesus than you are yielded to the Holy Spirit. So if Jesus' job is to, or the Holy Spirit's job is to magnify Jesus, you're not going to get any closer to Jesus than you are actually yielded to the Holy Ghost. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth said that. He will think through your mind. He will talk through your lips. He will magnify Jesus in a way that you could never do without his help. Um, There's times that I've been talking to people at the gym, and you just, you say things and you walk away and go, I didn't I didn't even think about that. I didn't even know what to say, and boom, it just comes. And it's almost like somebody else is talking through you for a second, and then it's like, ooh, some, you know, he's in there, and he has something to say, and then you walk away, and you go, oh, that was really cool. So it says he'll think through your mind, and he'll talk through your lips, but to the degree that you stay filled with him. Because what, remember in Romans, it says you're either, if, you, if you're not filled with the Spirit, you're going to give to the carnality of your flesh, but the more you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to walk in the Spirit. And Smith Wigglesworth says anything short of being filled with the Spirit is actually displeasing to God. And he says that God wants to take you to actually visions and dreams and revelations of him. That actually says that in this book. Um, The Holy Spirit's a genius. If you listen to him, he'll make you look smart. The Holy Ghost is the head of God's revelation department, Mark Hankins. And he says God's revelation department has never been hacked. You can steal another minister's information or you can steal information all day long, but until you get a revelation of that and how Jesus translates that into personal victory, uh, all it is is just information. So a lot of people in church, even me, I had a lot of information for a lot of years in this church. I heard it all. I heard everything he preached. But the Holy Ghost needed to take that and say, I'm gonna show you how to use this into personal victory. I'm gonna take the triumph of Christ and put this to an, an applicable use for you. Um, the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God and everything that Jesus has purchased for you. The Holy Spirit takes it and uh, translates it to personal victory. And then Brother Hagen said this. He says, what you need to say is, I believe I received the anointing of the Holy Ghost to stand in the office or offices that God's called me in and to rise to the fullness potential of the office or that offices. So, uh, I, you know, I think you guys can say that for the actually really just the call of God that you have. Say, I believe I received the anointing of the Holy Ghost to stand in the office or the offices that God's called me to stand in and to rise to the fullness potential of that office or offices. You actually have to say that because a lot of times you're not going to feel the anointing until you actually start doing what God told you to do. And so, uh, last thing Smith Wigglesworth said, it's a luxury to be filled with the Spirit. At the same time, it's a divine command. Brother Hagen, uh, the last thing I'll tell you, I think it's in the book, Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. Brother Hagen got to about 40 years old. He's pastoring a church, and he says he starts feeling really uneasy. It's the best he's ever, he's at the most money he's ever had. The family's the best they've ever had. And he, the, the Lord got him to start praying long extended times in the Holy Ghost in the church because he just said he felt like he was washing his feet with the socks on. I've never heard that, but I kind of got the idea of that. 
what the Lord showed him was when he started praying, he started digging out things of his life that he had to get rid of, some old traditional roots that he had to pull up and throw away. And then the Lord said, I want you to get out from the church and start preaching. And he said, you haven't even stepped into the first phase of your ministry yet. And he said, Lord, I mean, I've been preaching all these years. And he said, you hadn't even stepped into the first phase of your ministry. And he says, and if you do this and you go out in the field, within so many years, you'll hit the second phase of your ministry. And so he actually did accomplish all three phases of his ministry, but the Lord was actually just wanting him to be faithful for that time. But it wasn't until he prayed out the will of God for an extended time that the Lord, uh, you know, the Holy Ghost is a gentleman. He's not going to make you stop your day or your busyness and pray. And so he says once he, the, he got quiet enough where the Lord could talk to him, he said, you need to get rid of these, these ways, these traditional ways from, from the church you came out of, and I want you to start going out in the field, and then you'll hit the first phase of your ministry of actually the will of God that I actually planned for your life. He said, you're not even in it yet. And, he, and Brother Hagin said, oh my goodness, I've been pastoring all these years, and I didn't even know that I wasn't even in the will of God yet into the first, second, and third phase. And so I think that the church really needs to get spend more time praying, especially in these days coming and the Holy Ghost being filled, uh, Ephesians 5 actually says, can you throw that scripture up, to be filled with the Spirit of God. And at one translation says to actually, to take, um, do you have the message translation of that? It says, do not be drunk with wine, where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in songs and hymns. Go to the message translation. Please. You don't have it? Oh, Megan went to the bathroom. Megan, um, it says, drink the spirit of God, huge draughts of him. Jordan translation says, drink, don't get drunk on wine, but tank up on the spirit. And so I believe that in order for us to, to fulfill the will of God and to be filled with the mind of God, we're gonna have to continually stay filled, like Wigglesworth said, and anything less than that, he says, you will actually not accomplish the plan of God for your life. And so um, I'm just going to pray unless you got something to say. Well, I'm going to let him pray in a second. Give me that, give me that mic. Wasn't that good? Yeah. Woo! No. You think we should let him come back? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I want to read one scripture um, and add to what he said. Um, if you're in there, put, pop up um, 1 Corinthians 2, 6. Just put it on, on the screen if you're there. If not, I'll just read it. However, we speak a wisdom among those who are mature, yet it is not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age that are coming to nothing. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom of God, which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known they would have never crucified the Lord of glory, as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard enter the heart of the man, thanks God, prepared for those who love him. But God revealed them to us through his spirit. So I want to show you something real quick, real quick. Every one of us are the righteousness of God. There's no one in the room better than anyone else. But there are people in the room more ignorant than other people. Based on how much you're praying in the spirit. That's, that's, that's incredible. I'm not a better person than you. 
But, but the more I have prayed in the Spirit, the more I understand the mysteries of God and then the Word works and it looks like God is favoring me. Like, well, that's his favorite. No. And so anybody can do that. Now, what's wrong? What, what about denominational people? There's no such thing as a Pentecostal doctrine. It's Bible. There's no such thing as a Baptist Bible, a Methodist Bible, and a Pentecostal Bible. It's just that you've chosen to pick pieces of it you want or don't. If you don't pray in tongues and you go, I don't believe in that, you're going to go through life with no wisdom. That the lot of stuff you're going to hear preached, even then, is not going to make sense. You can change, you can change all of that. You change it. But you've got to use your faith. So when you're praying in tongues, your flesh is going to go, what are we doing? What are we doing? How long are we going to be here? Have we had anything to eat yet? I want to get something to eat. Is there any pizza left in there? I want a keto donut right now. How long? You've been in here five minutes. What are you doing? How long have you been? And you're going to notice that your, your flesh is very loud. And you're not going to realize how carnal you are till you sit and pray in tongues. And you're going to be going, what is that? Chinese? Is that Chinese? What is that? So, but, but there's a point you hit a gusher and like Justin said, you go, Oh my God, that makes sense. Oh my God, I understood that. Oh my God, I see that. And that's the difference between Joyce Myers, Kenneth Copeland, and someone else. It's not that they're more righteous. It's not that God favors them. It's they've pulled away and pray in the Holy Ghost. Now, one of the things we should do more, and I have to have your cooperation because when you come to church Sunday morning, there's a mindset, I came to sit and listen, not participate. When we're having a worship service and someone starts singing in the spirit, I don't want to hear me sing. I don't hear you sing. And, you, and that's why we make the statement, dive in. Well, I don't feel it. Well, you, do it no matter how you feel. If you're not praying in the spirit at church, oh, come on, y'all. You ain't doing it at home. You know you ain't doing nothing at home. So people are always wanting God to do more. <laughs> I'm preaching real good. Why don't you do what he said? You know, we're waiting on the Lord. You're not waiting on him for nothing. The more you pray in the Spirit, the more you pray in the Spirit. And it, it takes faith because in your mind, you're talking a language you don't know, which sounds really stupid. What do y'all do down there? Well, we say shandai, shandai, tie our bow tie and run around in circles. And they go, y'all are idiots. We're not coming to your church. And they don't understand it. But once you get in it, you're like, Oh my God, I understand my Bible now. Does that make sense? It's just crazy. And, and the old ladies know something. Now I'm going to tell you something. Justin said he wouldn't be here. I don't think I would be alive if it wasn't for our Monday night prayer. There's times I've told Lisa, call the Monday night ladies. 
Tell them they got to pray. They've prayed me out of a lot of stuff. Some I wanted to get out of, some I didn't. Some of they just, Pastor, you're not staying there in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, so thank God for praying in tongues. Do you want to close in prayer? Let Justin close in prayer. I'll close. He did awesome, didn't he? Amen. Amen. Hey, the Monday night ladies paved the track which our church runs on. Yes, so they did. through prayer has to be laid they from the... They prayed you in. They probably did pray me in. They, I, they thought I was running and they put the Betty Mae on me and now I'm here. So. And they put... They put. <laughs> and she's still praying. There's other young people that she's, I'm sure she's praying for. So join the Monday night prayer group if you haven't signed up already. There's a, there you go. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you that we can yield and we can make room for the Holy Spirit, that we know his voice. We wake up in the morning and say, Holy Ghost, what would you like to do today? I pray, Father, this church would get an urgency to pray more than they've ever prayed, to walk in the things of the Spirit, that you actually said that you won't even walk into the manifestations and nine gifts of the Spirit unless you're actually praying in the Spirit. And I believe we're going to see more of that. Father, I pray that we would take that next step and go into that next realm of prayer in our church. Father God, that way we would do more. We would be a greater blessing to the world. And Father, we would leave our mark on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for coming. Our 12-week series, I don't know how many weeks it's going to be. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com from our YouTube channel to our podcast to our SoundCloud and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages and it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button or you can text 407-955-5345 and remember, Our pastor's vision is this, we grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.